You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Brian. <laughs> We're showing our faces again, Brian. We're showing our faces. We're going to allow the world to see our faces. So we've gotten a little bit away from uh, the video aspect of the show, but we're going back because we're handsome guys. We're out of quarantine. We just want everyone to see us again. <clears throat> right. You're, Still not showering on that often, but, you know. <laughs> and I'm not using a microphone today because fuck all you people. <laughs> <laughs> Screw sound quality. I don't know. I haven't noticed that big a difference. So, And that's why you decided to ditch it? The last time I just didn't have it and it sounded fine. So now I'm going to check it again, see if that goes all right. And then, I don't know. It's a little bit annoying. So we'll yeah. see. All right. Well, we've, uh, you know, we've spent the first minute telling the audience that <laughs> there are guinea pigs. We don't care about them. We don't care about their ears. But they're welcome for being able to see our handsome faces again. Right. So welcome, everybody, to the Giants Among Men podcast. And I'm excited. I'm excited for today's episode, uh, mainly because there's just so much going on. Like, I am in perfect NFL preseason mode. I We are on the cusp of just sheer joy. True. So you're in it. You're in the tape. You're you're watching the, uh, the coaches film. What What's happening? So, no, I've just been knee-deep in reading about the Giants, uh, you know, really kind of deep diving into the schedule, following, like, you know, what's going on in Denver. I'm very locked in to the QB battle between Drew Locke and Teddy B. It's probably going to be Teddy B, but I hope it's Drew Locke. Um, you know, just really locked in. And I d- I'm not watching the coach's film. I haven't all 22'd it. But I did uh, give the preseason game on Sunday, another look and just sort of watching it, having it on getting to the rhythm of the game. And I got to say, I, I see a path for the offense. I don't like it. Okay. But I, I guess I see how we're okay on that side of the ball. Like, has it bothered you? Does it feel like we're not the only team in the NFL with a bad offensive line, but we seem to be the only team in the NFL that simply can't function because of our offensive line? Yeah, I mean, that's been like a few years, right, where it's like, it's not just that we're not good at it. It's like, yeah, the offense ceases to operate effectively <laughs> or right, at all. Like at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we're the only ones, and I don't understand why we have that problem. Like, I've heard about Seattle not having a good offensive line, but they've been awesome. You know, plenty of teams don't have great O-lines, and ours wasn't even the worst in the league. We were the worst in the league at a number of things last year, but the offensive line really wasn't one of them. Uh, So I feel like we're in a place where we're functioning a little bit better right now. I think that I sort of see what Jason Garrett is trying to do a little bit more. I was listening to uh, the athletic podcast and they're back in June. They did uh, what to look for on offense, what to look for on defense uh, podcast, like, you know, podcasts that those both episodes were really great, really informative, you know, um, stuff that you can actually feel like you're looking for on screen without getting too granular, but it helps you understand what you're looking at a little bit better And I just felt like 
there were a lot of where it was very clear, even Mike Glennon, who's not very good and hasn't been very good. I feel like it's been pretty clear. He's known what to do. Like he doesn't look confused. He doesn't look like he doesn't know what to do with the ball. And I think that, you know, kind of true to Jason Garrett form there, it seemed to be a lot of plays where it's either you take a shot or you check it down. Um, and I felt like some of the spacing was a little bit better in the second game. They were a lot less reliant on the all stop stuff, but I feel like there's enough there where Jason Garrett is never going to give you what you want in terms of creativity. He'll never be on like a cool NFL matchup show. What I thought was promising last year was Ted Gwynn at the athletic wrote this article uh, where he like noted how Jason Garrett moved the X receiver out like two to three more yards extra to make the, you know, the coverage just not be able to get there for the post in the first game of the year. And I thought, Oh, this is cool. Like a little nuance in the Jason Garrett offense. And then it really didn't follow up. I never <laughs> saw anything about it for the rest of the year. You're right. But I think it's more like we're still, we don't have a ton of nuance to the offense. We're not going to see anything cool. We're still pretty basic, but it's an NFL offense that seems to have a purpose of some sort. Sorry, I sneezed. (laughs) Is that what you generally feel about my assessment of the offense as well? No, I mean, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear that you uh, have talked yourself into you know, something, some hope for the, for the Giants offense. Um, I watched a little of the game. I don't know. It's hard to take too much away from it because of who played and who did not. Um, no starters to speak of. Um, no, but there, I mean, let me tell you, Twitter is more riled up about these bench players than the starters we have. So first of all, well, I, I, I am curious, like, what did you think, of Joe judge's decision to sit everybody. I don't know. I mean, like I don't, cause I don't know how to evaluate it. Like whether I'm really like criticizing him or like, I just, I would like to see Daniel Jones play. <laughs> I, like, it was, a, it was a hurricane on Sunday and the giants game was on and there was just rain outdoor all day. And like, it would have been really nice for Daniel Jones to play the first half. And like, what a nice gift for me that would have been. And I like, I can't, I don't feel like I can properly separate that from like actually analyzing whether that was the right move or not. It definitely feels weird that Daniel Jones like hasn't played at all this preseason. Um, Cause he's just not good enough to like have earned that. And like, what's the, pro- you know, I, I know they keep saying like they had these really, you know, heated practices with the Browns and that the coaches feel like they get more out of those practices. But, like, at the end of the day, the, the quarterbacks aren't getting sacked in those practices. So, like, that's just a distorted view, you know? Like, I, I do think there's some value to being in real game action. Um, and so I'm surprised at how little Daniel Jones has played in the preseason. But I don't know that it, like, matters, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it matters. I, I think you're right. Like, he's the starter. It's there's no competition for it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure they don't need to see whatever. And it's probably a good opportunity to get Mike Glennon in some reps. Um, and so let him take all the reps of the preseason. Uh, because then, you know, once the regular season starts, ideally he won't for a long time. And if he does, it'll be an emergency. So we'll be happy he got these in the first place. And I get all that. But like you said, Daniel Jones is an 
unproven entity. We all have very good reason to be highly suspicious of how he'll be this year. And yeah, I don't know that, that it's terrible to put him out there. Uh, for a I mean, the while. preseason has been meaningless forever, but it has reached right. a point of like, you know, it, it's quite clear that NFL coaches now view, they get almost nothing out of it. Like occasionally there maybe is a key battle at a position or like you, the Saints, right, who have a legit quarterback competition and they're right. using it that way and it's useful for them. But like for most of the teams, <coughs> like let's face it, it's like three extra game games they get to charge money for of course you know i mean it like the coaches clearly have almost no use for it and even when you want to say like evaluate players it's like does it really do a good job like you get a guy out there they're not playing against other starters like what are you like david sills has like popped in the preseason but it's like what do you really know make of that like what does it tell you like you know what i mean like it's not against real competition or so i like you're almost like, why do they bring like a hundred guys to camp for the purpose just to like keep their real players healthy? I mean, like there's like 30, 40 guys there that are essentially just tackling dummies, right? Like, well, I wouldn't say that 53 man roster is actually pretty thin when you think about it, when you have 22 starters on the offense and defense combined, and then you need a variety of different body types that fill out your special teams roles. Cause you need, you know, big guys for that skinny guys for that fast guys for that medium guys for that. And you have to back everybody up and then you have to fill out a practice squad. Like those numbers dwindle pretty fast. I don't doubt that teams do have to truly evaluate the bottom of the roster to make sure that they have the right amount of depth here and the right amount of depth there and the right guys to practice against them. What I guess like where it, where it does get to be a money grab and it gets exposed is how the coach if the coaches are saying that the joint practices are better than the preseason games then we should just get rid of the preseason games let those guys have their joint practices and get on with it so the preseason games are only providing the money grab like if they can get that evaluation done in the joint practices then yeah what is the point of the preseason games right i mean maybe just televise the joint practice and put it in the stadium i would love and, like, that change the rules to like honestly make the rule like Make it so the quarterbacks don't get hit in the preseason, and then it would probably be more entertaining product. Like, yeah. and you'd get the stars in there, That's true. and it would be something worthwhile. I just like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It is just like, it feels. I mean, it's been useless our whole lives, but it is now reach reaching like just a, a level of unimportance that is like comical. Yeah, absolutely. You know what really actually I think ultimately bothers me the most about it is really the Giants beat writers, and there are quite a few of them that I really like, but it's this kind of attitude on Twitter of like fans that are upset that the starters aren't playing. Got to get over it. What do you want? You want Daniel Jones to get hurt in a preseason game? What do you want? You want, uh, you know, Saquon, whatever. No, what I want to do is I want to turn on a game on, like you said, a hurricane Sunday where miraculously my child's leaving me alone and allowing me to watch a 1 p.m. Sunday game when it's pouring rain outside. Yeah, I want to watch the good players. I, You know, <laughs> crazy me. Like, I get it, you know, and I'm sure there are fans that are tweeting at them like the beat writers made the decision not to play the starters. But you don't have to, like, defend it or you don't have to come at a fan for being disappointed that 
no one that's worth caring about is going to play in the game. Right. Well, especially a guy like Daniel Jones, who's in this sort of make or break season, who you want to get a little taste. Is he what's what am I going to what do I expect from him? Like, I know at the end of the day, if he plays well or he plays bad, it doesn't matter. But I don't know if I think if Daniel Jones, if he goes out against the Patriots and he plays a good half, I think it will. You'll feel a little bit better. Of course. Um, It would be nice to see him put some drives together, see the offense play decently. Uh, which again again i mean i get those none of that matters right like making me (laughs) the giants shouldn't like assess their plans or how they like get their team ready because of how it'll affect brian demena's emotional state (laughs) but it's still hard not to be like come on (laughs) well right i just think that's the point you're allowed to have that reaction right they don't have to make decisions based on how you feel. You're allowed to feel that way about it because, like, you know, and it, it is a weird balance that we all have to strike because, of course, you want the teams to win. They're trying very hard to win. You know, they're doing what they think they need to do in order to win, and they can't worry about what every fan's stupid, uninformed opinion is. But at the same time, without stupid, uninformed fans, this isn't a multi billion dollar industry. So. When fans get upset, we don't have to be like, what's your problem? Enjoy David Sills part five. (laughs) Right. Or Mike Glennon. Right. Yeah. I don't want to watch Mike Glennon. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Not even totally convinced I want to watch Daniel Jones, but I. (laughs) Right. If I'm going to boo one of them, I'd rather it be Daniel Jones. (laughs) So. Yeah, I think we ought to send Joe Judge. He likes to send people on laps. Joe Judge, just take a lap for the fans. Right. I get I get what you're doing. I understand why you did it. I don't have a problem with it. But also, you you know, ruined my Sunday. So take a lap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we did, like we're talking about, see a lot of backups play. And this is when I find... Twitter, and this isn't exclusive to the Giants. It's also like the Knicks. Like this time of year, I think this is a time of year that fans use sports to kind of work out some of their repressed emotions from childhood, you know, maybe some bad experiences in athletics, some point in their life when they realized that maybe they weren't quite who they wanted to be. I certainly went through that myself. And you just have so many people rooting for guys at the bottom of the roster, like you know, not understanding how rare a guy like Victor Cruz is that, you know, you're probably like David Sills. The fifth is not going to set the league on fire and we don't need to be in the Sills army. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I get it when you're a bad team and guys pop and you're kind of like, Hey, come on, come on. Like we suck. Like, Here's a guy that we seem to be drawn to. Let's play him. Let's keep him around. You know, like, what's the harm? But, yeah, I don't totally get the thing that a lot of fans do where, like, they see themselves in a guy and therefore and it's like, what does that really mean? You know, like. Right. No, you don't. You- <laughs> David Sills is a freak athlete. He reminds me nothing of myself other than <laughs> he's white, you know? Like, I don't really get that thing, you know? Um, 
and he, he'd be a nice story, I guess. And it's like, he seems like a little bit of a find. Um, but yeah, who cares? You know, I, <laughs> I right. know. It's, it's pretty funny. Like if you went to high school with David Sills, you don't right. look at him as an underdog. You, you look right. at him as the top dog, you know? Right. But so the rest of us though, who had, didn't know David Sills until recently, you know, we're like, oh, what a scrapper. That That's guy. true, right. At your high school, he was beloved, and he slept with your girlfriend. Right. And, <laughs> and you didn't even say anything about it. <laughs> exactly. That's another thing that fascinates me. I, I can't remember what I've talked about on this show before, but, like, there was, like, definitely... It's weird. It must be weird for Mark Sanchez to be the butt fumble guy. And it would be weird for anybody knew him who knew him growing up that like now Mark Sanchez is the butt fumble guy, just his whole life, incredible athlete, quarterback of the football team, like ridiculously good looking guy, you know, just unflappable. Went to two AFC championship games. Right. (laughs) What, like, what is the first like thing? The first Wikipedia line probably. I, I don't think it really is, but it's, Butt fumble. Yeah, he's yeah. the butt fumble. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the lesson there is life is long, kids. Yeah, I guess it's just the like, it is the guys that come out of nowhere. You feel like as a fan, you discovered them. Um, you know, yeah, the Victor Cruz true. was like fun. That was, you know, was I remember? I can remember him having that great preseason game against the Jets, and you were like, "Who is this guy?" Didn't think anything of it. And then the next year, he actually did explode. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it, I mean, look, it's also, there is this weird, it's usually white guys who are in this sort of <laughs> yeah. department, I think, where I don't, you know, like, I guess in this day and age, right, a lot of sports fans are Caucasian and we don't have as many sports heroes as we used to, I guess. Right. Right. Back at a time when we just didn't let anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like these, you know, the Ryan Connolly's and the David Sills, we get very upset when they're not given the chance to perform. I I couldn't stop laughing last night when you texted me, is Ryan Connolly still in the league? (laughs) Because I had just thought the same thing the day before. I was like, everyone freaked out when that guy got cut. Oh, he my has God. not caught fire <laughs> anywhere else. Right. There was such heartbreak. It's like I was like, could understand the argument that Ryan Connolly deserved to make the team. He had shown a little something his rookie year. But it was like, you know, whatever. You're right. <laughs> I, I give. I bet you too. It would not shock me. The same thing is going to happen with Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin looked again. Another guy looked pretty solid on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. A lot of good reports. Coaches seem to like him. I bet he's pretty good. You know, he's not like a staple of the defense. If next year we didn't have Carter Coughlin, everything would be fine. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. He seems like he's given us a little extra depth. Whatever. What have you? He's not changing the defense one way or the other. Not at all. No. Yeah. And I would, I would also say, so yeah, I think you're right. Like th- those guys, the guys we're talking about now, the, the scrappy bottom of the roster guys that, you know, people grow oddly attached to are typically white guys. And that's definitely mixed in with that, but it's not necessarily exclusive. I yeah, think true. that, um, 
But there's, but I think there's also other categories of people like that. So for example, I think there are guys, you said to me yesterday when I texted you that you don't consider Frank or Knox to be in this type of category because they were actually lottery picks. So, you know, they're really good players or they should have been. I think though that there are fans that are just by their nature gamblers and because they're gamblers, they like to have bought the stock very low. And when the stock goes high, just like you were kind of saying with Victor Cruz, it's like, I discovered this guy. I saw a talent where no one else saw talent. So it's like, you know, I know that Frank and Knox were supposed to be good, but if you're a Knicks fan and you don't like the way things are going, you just say, Hey, we need Knox to, we need to get Knox more minutes, get him in that corner, let him hit the three. And then, you know, first of all, you can't be proven wrong because he doesn't play. Right. And then if he does, all he really has to do is hit one corner three for you to be like, see? I see? told you. I told right. you. And then when he doesn't play again, you're like, but I was right because he went right. in that one time he hit a corner three. And so I think that there are a lot of guys like that. So Elijah Penny is an example of a guy who was getting a lot of Twitter love on Friday because he had a nice run and a nice reception. Right. A nice, nice little game for Eli Penny and for any fullback in the league. Yeah. You know there are now Giants fans sitting in living rooms all over the tri-state area who are going to be saying, you know who they got to get the ball to? Is that Elijah Penny? Yeah, Penny. He's got to get the ball. He's the key. Right. <laughs> right. Like, and, then, you know, and then he catches a touchdown. All right, Jim Finn right there. Right. And he catches a touchdown, and that same person gets to be like, you see, if only right. they listened to me. Elijah Penny, we win all the time. Yeah, there is always some uh, some guy that if we utilize more. My I, my uncle back in the day was a big Ron Dane believer, and he <laughs> he never gave up the hope that that he always believed that Ron Dane, if given the right opportunity, the right situation, I was just like, you know, he got plenty of chances. <laughs> right. He stunk. You know. <laughs> nobody's fault right um but yeah i mean i think that's just the nature of the preseason now you're just seeing all these guys in totally weird contexts where they are good players but they're not playing against the starters and so you're just seeing this like skewed portrait of who these people are it's very hard for us as fans or lay people to really evaluate who's doing what and know whether it's going to translate to like the regular season you know and it's only getting harder because the context of these games is just getting more and more out of whack with who's playing in them and it does seem too like the league is almost split 50 50 on it like i was pretty surprised last night to see Jameis winston and trevor lawrence both starting in that monday night football game that preseason game i guess Jameis shouldn't be that surprising because like you said earlier new orleans has a pretty legitimate quarterback battle going on but it seems crazy to have Trevor Lawrence out there considering how all the rest of the teams are handling this. Well, except that I guess that's Urban Meyer is trying to do the same thing. He's he's trying to put, I think, for whatever reason, artificially put Trevor Lawrence into a quarterback competition um, for reasons, you know, whatever, competitive nonsense that he... He loves. Espouses. But, I mean, maybe it's not now. Maybe it's something. But that's clearly, like a thing he's doing. Well, I've also seen that. Well, yeah, no, I don't know. Cause I've also seen that they're trying to, uh, boost Gardner Minshew's, uh, trade value. Right. Right. Um, well, which, maybe it's both, which we may need. 
actually. So I, uh, Bill Barnwell painted a pretty grim picture of the Giants season. Are you, would you like me to share it with you? Sure. Are you prepared for it, Brian? I, I see you're in your, your children's room. Right. So, you know, I'm, that's a safe environment, probably, you know, remnants of childproofing from their younger days. So that's good. You know, he just did not paint a very pretty picture. He was saying how, well, first of all, he said, uh, enjoy Mike Glennon in the preseason because you ought to expect to see him at some point during the regular season. Like Daniel Jones has missed two games a year, both years he's played. The first season, he didn't even play the full season. You know, the way he runs, like the way he plays, the way he holds on to the ball, the offensive line, the fact that he runs, like it's probably better to expect him to miss a game than not expect him to miss a game uh, if you're a betting man. So we're going to probably see Mike Lennon in the regular season, he was saying. Uh, you know, he was saying that the offensive line hasn't hold up, uh, hasn't held up uh, very well. You know, Kenny Galladay is already sitting with a hamstring issue. Um, Kyle Rudolph. And, and we'll get into, I want to get into a little bit about how, like, why does Gentleman seem so bad with the details? Like, great. We all love Leonard Williams now. He had a great year last year. You know, he's the Giants' Julius Randle. But the trades was still terrible because it's like we didn't have to do it. And it just felt like Dave Gettleman just like screwed up basically and didn't realize that his contract was about to expire and then gave us some nonsense about how they wanted to get him in the building. And so he wasn't already in the building. He's in the Jets. But um, but anyhow, uh, where was I going with that? This is I shouldn't have. Have Kyle rid- Rudolph ridden astray. Oh yeah. Like Kyle Rudolph hasn't played. Kenny Galladay hasn't really practiced at all. Um, Kadarius Tony hasn't really practiced at all. Nate Solder is questionable at this point, you know? And then, so then what we really end up becoming is a team with who we did generate some pass, pass rush the other day, which was nice, but the team that's very reliant on their secondary, which as good as our secondary is, is one of the scariest units on your team to be reliant on because Look, the just the general truth about the secondary is is that one mistake leads to points. You know, like one bad play, no matter how good you are, it's points. And that's just a scary place to be. And basically, he's pointed out too, if the if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, we have we're on the hook for all these skill players with three million dollars in cap space. So there's not even really like a route out of it where what even veteran quarterback could be trade for or acquire in free agency because we can't even pay anybody. Right. So we might be really, really bad (laughs) with no way out. Right. Okay. Well, I guess I'm always, I'm always like, I'm really don't, I don't know. I'm always really hesitant when, but whenever someone says you're going to be like stuck or you're going to be in the cap, I don't know. It just feels like in the NFL, there's always ways to like open up cap room. Like if the giants needed to trade for Aaron Rodgers next year, like you could, there, there's gotta be a like 10 guys they could dump. Right. I don't know. Like, it just feels like you can always create space. So like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it's harder when you're like not good. I think, to be up against the cap like it's one thing to be like the saints who are always a good team and they're always like kicking the cap can down the road because they're good um so it doesn't necessarily catch up to you whereas if you're a team like the giants i think it's probably harder to manage but 
I don't know. What, well, why did, why did Gardner Minshew make you think of that? Was he suggesting that we need to trade for Gardner Minshew? <laughs> no, well, no, he wasn't. But it's just more like, you know, we should be we should be bargain hunting quarterbacks just in case, basically. Oh, that um, because Daniel Jones might get hurt and. Right. Or stink. Or stink. Right. I mean, look, if Daniel Jones stinks, the Giants stink and their franchise sucks. Like, that's just the way it is. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the other on the other stuff, like, I don't think it makes that much sense to be like, Kenny Galladay has, like, had a little bit of a hamstring injury in camp. You know what I mean? Kenny Galladay didn't break his leg. He doesn't have a torn ACL. Kenny Galladay is going to play. Yes. And he's either going to be good or he's not. You know, like, Kadarius Tony hasn't had a great camp. Like, that really tells me nothing about his impact on this season. Like, Nate Solder is not somebody that I was even – thought was going to be on the team so like he's not exactly like an important player um but again like look i practically wept last week <laughs> for coming to grips with how bad the giants are going to be like i think he's he may very well be right like there's totally a path where this team is just where this is the most depressing giant season like ever you know right. because especially because there's like no doubt that the giants feel they have put like a product on the field that is about to like do something, you know what I mean? Like they feel like this is year one of the, of the giants are back. They're not saying we're going to win a super bowl, but like this is the team we've been trying to build. They feel good about it. So then like, if you, let's say the giants win like five games, I mean, what it tells you about how wrong the giants are, or like how poor they are in evaluating their own team is, will be, you know, devastating yeah (laughs) right right that is true you put it you put it exactly right just then is that this is the team that they have been trying to tell us they are building i can't believe that i can't believe they're like saying that right i don't think they're saying it like this is the finished product but it's it definitely is like this is the start of it like this is you're going to be, you're going to like this team. This team's going to win games. And then next year is going to be the, you know, we're going to add to it. But like, yeah, this is year one of the Giants are back. Um, and so if they're totally wrong, and look, there's a lot of reasons to think that's what they are. Yeah. It's going to get grim. <laughs> why, why is Gettleman, I just feel like he is so bad with the details of things. Like, so I was talking about earlier with that Leonard Williams trade. It's almost like I would have believed he didn't know that the contract was expiring, that he traded for. You know, that that's how inexplicable it seemed. And then, like, drafting DeAndre Baker, trading into the first round to draft DeAndre Baker, despite the red flags, and then... You know, DeAndre stuff. Baker might be good, though. You heard I know. Yeah. I've read that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that he's on the well, Chiefs. Like, right, of course he is. Remember the remember the Kansas City model? Remember where they da- drafted Daniel Jones? We were going to follow the Kansas yes. City model. Yes. Well, another one of Dave Gettleman's plans gone awry. But it's like we're going through the same thing with Tony too. Where it's look, I, I you know I know he's just whatever his injury is. I don't even know what it is honestly, but they whatever said, it is, yeah. it's, it's probably not a big deal, or maybe it's not a big deal. But I don't, you know, it's not shocking. I guess, I mean, it's just worth reminding yourself, like, nothing has happened with Kadarius Tony. Like, 
either way. Like yeah, he literally hasn't right. played. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> he forgot his shoes. To be or fair. I don't. I don't know that he forgot them. There was like an issue with his cleats. Like I don't know what it was. There was like a problem with the cleats. <laughs> well, he doesn't wear socks. That was part of it. All right. I don't. I don't know what it was, but it that doesn't sound like a, a missed day. Doesn't sound like a day's problem. But what? What do I know? Um, I don't know. I. I, I just. Let them. Let's let the team show up. And uh, well, what what is the deal with Kyle Rudolph? What what is the what happened? What is why is this? Oh, he's another one. They signed him, right. and then the, a physical revealed that he had some kind of foot issue. That then Dave Gettleman claimed, like, no, we knew about the foot issue. Oh, right. Because so, they, they almost didn't sign him, right? But then they like honored the contract, right. even though he failed the physical, right. Because right. Gettleman claimed that they knew about it and he's going to have surgery and whatever. And he wasn't supposed to miss that much time and he hasn't practiced yet. And it actually was pretty big news that he was catching passes from Daniel Jones before the game on Sunday. Okay. I mean, another guy who, like, I'm not saying he's not an important player, but, like, you know, the Giants' season isn't resting on Kyle Rudolph. Like, um... No, I get it. I'm not making a case against any of these players, to be honest with you. I'm yeah. just pointing out things where it's like Dave Gettleman signings that yeah, you're yeah. like, did he know? How could he have done this if he knew what he what we all know now? Yeah, like he's definitely not a master of the intricacies of the job. Like um, right. and I do think the Giants, if they when they do eventually move on from Dave Gettleman, like just a scout. A guy who like knows how to spot a good player is not maybe not the you know like you really do yeah. need to know have a business savvy contract negotiations like yeah all the ins and outs of the business part of it is maybe the better way to to go absolutely it is yeah and 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 just like again Gettleman's arrogance on top of all like the careless mistakes that seem to get made with these things and the arrogance with which he talks about them yeah it's just just way too toxic a mix <laughs> yeah he's uh he he's a special fellow <laughs> how about his look just his like shorts hiked up to his like neck yeah, i know <laughs> i respect this look more than i respect anything about him to be honest yeah that is true that's true because yeah. he's just this is me this yeah. is dave i got a giant hat i on i got a white t-shirt with my shorts literally up to my chin um, and this weird hat that looks like i'm a rickshaw driver sort of yeah <laughs> you know like that thing's yeah. huge yeah he's weird He is a weird guy. Denver. Are you scared of their defense? Um, You know what? I think it's good, right? Like, yeah, I do too. I agree with you. Let's get a good defense. Like let's, you know, I mean, again, as we've been saying, as we've said, I think we've talked more about Daniel Jones than, you know, (laughs) than there is to talk about. Like, um, it all rises and falls on his his shoulders, you know? And, like, whether you think he... Believing that he can be good is preposterous or not is, like, how you feel about the Giants. Um, 
And so good. Let's start with let's get it. Let's get right to it. You know, let's get a good defense. Let's see what he does. Um, you know, it's all it's all on Danny Dimes. It's all on Danny Dimes. <laughs> it is. He's got a lot of pressure on him this year. I mean, he either sinks or swims. And so what 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 do you take away if he has another just mediocre season? Let's say he's straight up mediocre. Then what? like like what? What is mediocre? What who is he? Who is he? He is I'm thinking around the league, so like let's say he can give you the production of like pre-career boom Ryan Fitzpatrick. Pre-career boom? <laughs> yeah, like pre-Fitzmagic Ryan Fitzpatrick. Or like I know that's a hard thing to nail down, but like right, I was gonna know, say, like, he's always that way. Just like right, just like competent NFL starter play. Kind of. I mean, if he's not better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, like, you know, he's gone. Like, you know, there's no, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's a good line for like, like, if he's not better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, we got nothing, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> right. He may uh, not be. Yeah. He's, he's certainly more talented than Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether yep, he's better uh, a better quarterback. Yeah, I guess, you know, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a very weird career. Um very unique career yeah he's not a great example i i just you know i was struggling i felt a little bit on the spot didn't appreciate that uh, <laughs> but i guess i'm more just saying like we end the year similar to like we did last year where it's like i still don't know if he's good or bad i guess yeah. if, we, if we don't know this year then he just stinks i mean Like, I think it's like, let's say he's like Jared Goff or something like that. That's a great example. Sure. Like last year's Jared Goff. Then I think you'd be in the same position that the Rams found themselves in where like, you know, you're not, you're not going to like cut him, but you're going to be open to, to an alternative. Like that's where I think you'd find yourself in where you're like, okay. We're not going to, you know, maybe you wouldn't even start talking extension with him and you start thinking about a trade or, um, you know, I think you just, at that point, you don't marry him, but you probably won't get rid of him. You wouldn't like yeah, immediately move on, um, but you'd certainly have your eyes open. I think that's where you'd be in. Um, so I don't know. I hope it's not. I mean... Look, I don't know. If he's mediocre, I would take mediocre. Like, if the team's mediocre and he's mediocre, I would be okay with that. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. I, I just, if he's got, like, 11 touchdowns again and you're just, there's, like, nothing. You know, like, I think right now, like, off of last year, you know, there's just, like, he, you know, it's like he, he was so much worse last year than the year before, which is, like, what makes it really hard to sort of even talk about it. You know what I mean? Like 
he went from this like pretty promising rookie season and you figured, okay, like if he does that again or he's a little bit better, hey, that's exciting. Or if he's if he's the same, like, oh, well, that would be disappointing. And instead, he took this kind of huge step back, but in the context of the offense just totally collapsed. And, you know, we had the Jason Garrett of it all. And so, like, you're trying to figure out, like, what was that? What do I take from that? Yeah, I mean, it's also not common for quarterbacks who take a step back in year two to take a leap sure. in year three. Like, quarterbacks will take a leap in year three. Like, Baker kind of did that, but I don't, I don't know that he took such a step back in his second year. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's kind of concerning is, like, some of the num- some of the, the actual similarities between the two seasons. Like, you know, the yards per attempt, like... um the fumbles, the sacks, like completion percentage, pretty, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it does make you wonder, like the only thing he did, like he just had some explosive games his rookie year that maybe you're like, Oh, were those just like Shermer has a pretty good system and that kind of skewed it. And maybe this guy isn't good at all. I don't know. I still do like his talent. I still think he's a pretty talented guy. Seems like he's done all the right things. Like, I don't know. I don't know, Scott. Here we are again. Forty minutes in, last week was when I I collapsed emotionally, <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, another forty minutes, and like I don't know. I am like I am. I'm still. I'm excited for this season to start, but I'm like I am so bracing for like four weeks in to be like, oh, this is hell. <laughs> this is horrible. I hate everybody. <laughs> Uh, like I hate all of you. I hate this team. I hate this. I'm so sick of this. Like we've been so bad for so long now. And it is like, they went out there. John Mara was like, no, this team, this we're on the right track. Like, you know, like (laughs) if it's just garbage again, I mean, God, it'll just be so damn depressing. Yeah. And I don't see it being mediocre. I honestly don't. I see, well, I see us being like surprisingly good. Yeah. Or terrible. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I think mediocre is probably off the table. Right. I think we're like surprising team or we're win five games. Yeah. And it's, and it's hell. I feel like it's going to be hell. I don't know. I, you know, it feels like hell, Brian. It's very hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jason Garrett is here with his red hair and his yeah. devil, devilish features. Right. I don't know, Brian. Look, I, I, the defense, right? I think there's a chance to defense. Like, Dexter Lawrence might be a stud. We might have a great defensive line. We've got a great secondary. We've got Saquon Barkley coming back. He could be story of the league, the comeback. Like, maybe he's a huge year. Um, Andrew Thomas, I think I think there's a reason to believe that Andrew Thomas is a, becomes a, you know, a pro bowl caliber player like i don't think that's crazy to think it sounds like you're hearing some decent things about will hernandez you know if matt pert plays okay now you've got a decent offensive line again i like Daniel jones's talent i think there's reason to still think he's a good player um there you go that's the hope i'll take the hope and and i don't think it's hopeless there are people i've heard that have confidence in us they think the galladay Signing is going to make a big difference for both Garrett and Jones. 
Uh, and I hope it does, you know, hopefully Saquon, I mean, we've run the ball pretty well actually in the preseason. And again, we've already talked about how we don't really know what that means, but yeah. All right. Okay. We let's, did it. We'll All try. Right. Let's go Giants. <laughs> All right, let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. <laughs> go New York. Go New York. Go. Go. <laughs> you know, what? I, I was playing that song during the playoffs for my kids, the, that old Knicks anthem from the 90s, and yeah. loving it. And one forgot how just fire it is. Like, just an awesome song. Yes. The whole thing. A mace in your face. And how inexplicable it is in the middle of the mid-1990s in New York City. That song is made and produced and written and created by a white guy. It's like the most inexcusable. You know what I mean? Think about the talent you could have gotten to make that song. It's just like, it really does make you realize how, like, how bad. I mean, it's a little thing, but it's like how preposterous we are sometimes. Like, nobody who worked for the Knicks was like, does this feel like... inauthentic like we're here we are we're in like the mecca of hip-hop where all of it's happening all the best artists we're the knicks we could get anybody we want to do this in an era too where new york was on fire with that that's what i mean like all the buzz all the talent was right in your own backyard and they get some goofy white guy (laughs) to put together this ridiculous song that look slaps it does it's great i love it but it's just like unbelievable you know it could have been it's ironically a great song where it could have it could have been you know could right, have freaking jay-z to do it or nas or something and it would have been a masterpiece and it could have changed the trajectory of the knicks for the first 20 years of this century for god's right. sake who knows but it's just so funny uh just picturing like the marketing team at madison square garden that put it together like no this is going to resonate with <laughs> Right. But not too much. It won't alienate anybody. Just like, oh my god! Right. And the worst part is they were right. We right. loved it. We right. Ended up <laughs> yeah. Right. Up. You know? right. Right. Guys in suits are like, go, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of weird '90s culture, Haley used the word "dope" the other day in context correctly. And I thought it was really funny and weird. Like for the for drugs, you mean? Or no. Or, <laughs> <laughs> no it's just like, or like that was dope. Yeah, like uh, boy, that show is dope. Or like, really? so, <laughs> Where did she pick that up? I she I don't know. Has to be from TV, right? Because that's not something I say very often. You don't throw it around that often. No, <laughs> no, no. But. Uh, I was, I just found it hilarious. She wouldn't, she, I don't know. I think she got embarrassed when I was asking a lot of questions too, or who knows, right. maybe she was watching a show she shouldn't watch. It's weird. Does Alice, do your kids use slang when you, do you like pick it up and you're just like, what? Yeah, for sure. Every once in a while, something that they saw on a show pops in and you're like, what? Where did you learn that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love it though. That was great. That's funny. Dope's a good one. Yeah. Dope is a great one. I Dope's a one where... Like it's, I'm too late in life to start using it. Right. But if I could go back to like 13, 14, I would have loved to have had that one in the rotation. <laughs> I would have been a much That's cooler true. person. That's true. 40's not the time to introduce <laughs> dope into your. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a little late for that. 
Well, Brian, what else is going on in the sports scene that you'd like to bring up? I would like to, I think we got to talk about your Yankees. Um, yeah. Because they're winners of 10 straight. They just beat the Braves. The first matchup, I think, of two teams on nine game winning streaks in like 100 years or something. Oh, and this is the first time that they could have 11 games, 11 game winning streaks since 1985. The Yankees? Yeah. Well, and it's, what's interesting, they had a 10 game winning streak last season also. So back to back years oh, with a 10 right. game winning streak. And I want to say this because I feel like we trashed many people involved in the Yankees earlier in the year. It's true. Hal, Boone, Cashman. And I want to be fair here to say that there is a thing we all do with the Yankees where when they're good, it's like, they got every, they got all the money and they got every advantage and (laughs) who cares? And when they're bad, it's like these idiots, Steinbrenner is, you know what I mean? And like, they really are damned that they did like, there's no winning for them unless they literally win the world series. And so like credit where it's due. Cashman is a smart baseball man (laughs) and Boone I don't know if he's a good manager or bad manager but he's clearly not like a defective manager and it doesn't matter I don't think that much who the baseball manager is um and like here they are you know right in the thick of things they're gonna be a force they're gonna be a dangerous team in the postseason you know and on the other side of town the Mets in a total free fall disaster (laughs) yeah and so it's not that easy to be as good as the Yankees are year after year after year after year after year. And they deserve some credit. Yeah, I agree. And and I ought to take my lumps for – I don't know that anybody – I really pulled off something there by coming out early in defense of the Yankees, irritated the rest of the fan base for freaking out, and then it took me exactly one week to join them wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> and just declare the Yankees dead and gone and and buried, and that was it. And now it turns out they're awesome, right? And you know, they, it's funny that the trade deadline, a few moves get made. I guess that's the thing is that at the trade deadline, the last few years, they've had some glaring holes in the team, and they haven't really like sold the farm in order to address them, and sort of felt like that's what they would do again this year, and then they didn't at all. And they just added two crazy bats to the lineup that we, you know, yeah, really needed. Right. And then yeah. This. So with that, there was a little bit of a surprise, I guess, to it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I was somebody, I was firmly in both camps at both times, which I think is the truest sign that you're an idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. Is the real how you know that you don't know what you're talking about. Right. It's like the, uh, <laughs> the like the Bernie voters that are in QAnon or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. right. What do you believe? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just think they deserve credit and I'll be, you know, I won't say rooting for them. Um, but I'll tell you if they play the Rays, I'll be rooting for the Yankees um, in the playoffs because I, it's Ray's franchise is just all that is soulless and wrong in modern you sports. Really, I feel like, do you, I'll give you some space for a Ray's rant. I feel like you've been like nudging at a Ray's rant for like a month or two now. You just want to light them up. So please. I, I just hate it. I just hate the whole thing. Like, I, I don't know. The whole philosophy of like, we're going to not spend money and run the franchise like 
garbage, but like use math to still have a good team. And like, we have no fans and nobody cares. And it's like <laughs> this weird investment strategy. And I hate that it works and that it's so effective. And uh, it's just, you know, I don't know. You know, uh, one of my problems with like the whole modern analytics framework of sports is how anti-labor it is like it always is used to seemingly yeah. keep down salaries and you know when you think when people talk about the nfl it's like it's always used in this language of how every guy is like virtually worthless except the quarterbacks you know and i think like if you look at it purely analytically it's probably a lot to that you know that like you might as well pay aaron Rodgers 100 million and everybody else makes a million based on like <laughs> how they actually impact the game but it's like gross you know these guys i don't know i just don't yeah. like it um and so the rays to me i just hate the way they operate and it makes you appreciate the yankees who at least pay guys and go out and are trying to win and you know now you have franchises who are like pretending to operate like the rays but they can't do it effectively at all so they're just like disasters you know you think of like the orioles or the pirates and these teams that are just like constantly rebuilding and they're like oh it's you know, it's a rebuild strategy, a mixture of analytics and, you know, and it's like, no, you're just cheap and you suck and you're just, you know, wrenching profits out of this thing. I don't know. Right. I don't like it. So they, to me, I'm rooting against them and I, I want it to fail. <laughs> I agree with you. You rattled off a lot of things there that all I felt were valid points, but you had three right in a row that I thought were the most important, which is they use math. They have no fans. Nobody cares. <laughs> that's, that's the three. I think that's like perfectly right. encapsulates what you're talking about. And yeah, like I sort of love these teams. You're right. Teams shouldn't be rewarded for being cheap. And then like pretending that they're smart because they're cheap, you know, say what you will about Dallas. I can't stand them, but you know, they're pretty determined to give their fans an interesting and talented product every single year. And I do, I do. I wish that the Giants would be a little bit more like that, where it's just like, yeah, who cares? Who cares about the cap? Who cares about any of this stuff? Who cares about the Giants way? Like, just, just be good every year. Do whatever it takes. Spend whatever, like, get the guys, just be good every year. Be competitive every year. Not this foolishness where... I'm just not rooting for them to outsmart the league on the cheap. Like, right. Yeah. Be, you know what? Supplement. Like I like what the Yankees do. They're like, they use analytics. They like, you know, they believe in all that same stuff. And they also then supplement the team with lots of cash and pay players what they're worth and try to win the freaking world series. And if the Rays used all this intelligence they have and then combined it with some investment, they could probably take over the league. Like, look at the Dodgers, who is same thing. Really smart front office, but also, like, goes out and pays players. And, um, you know, I hope that that's something the Mets are going to try to do. Um, and then speaking of, we didn't talk about it. How about Uncle Stevie's stupid tweet about the Mets? And, um, you know, uh, hard to believe professional hitters could be this unproductive. Uh, <laughs> And then he threw in the thing about, like, I don't know if you saw, but like, the slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. It's like, oh, yes, the sophisticated slugging and OPS numbers That's don't lie. Right. You know what else? Like, you're not sc- your average two runs a game, and you lose every game. That's right. what also tells the story. I don't need to, like, and also, like, slugging and OPS isn't like, ooh, he's, he's really in the deep box score. Like, everybody knows about slugging percentage. And, and also, OPS, 
is slugging. Slugging right, it on yeah. base. It's not like, what are you talking about? So it's just, I just hated it. Like, oh, I'm, uh, uh, I know baseball. Just shut up. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, it's exactly something that you could have tweeted about your fantasy baseball league in 2011. And it would have been like sort of current. Right. Just like the slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. You don't need to, you don't need to look, go to the slugging and OPS numbers to figure out why the Mets right now stink. <laughs> also hard to believe a professional hitter could be this bad. Like pretty easy to believe actually. Like professional hitters only hit the ball 30% of the time for the most oh, right. part. And that's really, really, hard. really good ones. Yeah. You know, like do you follow the sport for which you bought a team? Right. And just I don't know, I hated the whole tone of it and I just hate the guy. But uh he's taking his lumps. I'll be interested to see what what the Mets do in response to this season. Um I think it's been good. I think it's been good for the Mets. Do you have any predictions? Like what they're going to do in the off season? Yeah. No, but I, I assume they'll be pretty aggressive. Um, but, uh, you know, they've been really bad. I mean. Why weren't they in on that Cubs fire sale where the Cubs try not to send anybody to. Well, they were, they got, you know, they got Javi Baez. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've had, you know, some key players have been totally dreadful this year. Um, you know who's so, so sad about it? Michael Conforto has been so terrible. Really? Um, and he was like angling for a contract. That's going to be an awkward thing. Like he's going to be another like Justin Turner where they let him go rightly. They rightly let him go. And then he's going to win like the MVP next year for like <laughs> the Nats or something. Right. <laughs> or the Phillies. <laughs> oh, That'll be so terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think it's been good for everybody to just accept that Mr. Cohen's not fixing all our problems. We're still the Mets. I don't know. I'm sick of the Mets, Scott. Why do I root for the Mets? I can't. It's too late now. Like I was, you know, I grew up enough neither fan. Tried to briefly flirted with liking the Yankees. Couldn't really do it. Mike Piazza essentially made me a Mets fan. It's kind of the player that I finally. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's begrudging at this point. Yeah. <sighs> and you're right. There's nothing you could do. That would be like starting to say dope at this point in your life. Right. Right. Yeah. I can't switch. I made the choice. Yeah. <sighs> well, Brian, I'm sorry that you're going to have to live with your choices in this instance and in all others. Uh, but thank you all for choosing to listen to the Giants Among Men podcast on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, We will talk to you again next week.